Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the epistle lesson. Um, Paul's admonition that we are to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Well, yesterday was the anniversary of the most embarrassing loss Michigan football ever had. And I find it interesting that uh, I had a friend this week remind me of that loss. It, it kind of fits this principle that we take enjoyment in others' failures, especially our rivals. I mean, they the, the always had had that t-shirt, right? That my two favorite teams are Ohio State and the team playing Michigan. And it goes both ways, right? You can see that in maize and blue. The, my two favorite teams are Michigan and the team playing against Ohio State. We like to see our rivals fail. It, but it's more than just in sports. There's an old saying that the enemy of my oh, excuse me, the friend, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. We have that concept that there's something in us about desiring or taking satisfaction when those who stand in opposition to us do not do well. You see, this is why Paul's words today to us sound rather difficult. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. These are difficult words, are they not? This is what our Lord calls upon us to do. And so we're going to take a look at these words. And Paul is reminding us that, that, that the Christian life is difficult. But we're going to examine these words and we're going to see that, that this goes against our very nature. But it's also what the Lord has done. And finally, we'll see it's what the Lord brings out of us. So when we come to the epistle lesson, we need to keep in mind the context here. The, the letter to Romans almost reads like a sermon. Um, the first part talks about our sinfulness and how we are all sinful. It talks about then the grace of God, that, that all are saved through Christ and his uh, death and resurrection on the cross. The last section of Romans talks about how we are to live our Christian life. And that's the section we hear today. And so when you look at the start of our text, verses 9 to 13, these are instructions of how we are to live. And they're instructions really on how we are to live with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And the instructions don't surprise us, right? Our Lord calls us through Paul to, to have a genuine love for those around us. That we are to rejoice, we are to have patience. It speaks of living out our faith in such a way as to helping our brother who is in need. These are instructions that, that we enjoy or, or, or look, expect and want to do. We desire to do these things. We want to rejoice. We want to be patient. We want to do these things for, for our neighbor and those whom we love. But then we get to verse 14. And that becomes a little bit more difficult. We are to see how we are to live with those who live in opposition to us, that don't agree with us, that, that don't agree with our faith and the way that we live our life. And our Lord, through Paul, causes us, calls upon us to love, calls upon us to bless those who persecute us, to do everything we can to live peaceably with all those around us. And then he says, we're not even to seek vengeance. We're not to try to get even. But doesn't that go against our human nature? Do you really want to love your enemy? Do you really want to pray for those who persecute it, want them to be blessed? Doesn't your nature want to pray for their downfall? Don't, don't you want vengeance? Well, we don't call it vengeance. We call it justice. 
If, if someone harms you, don't, don't you want judgment for them? We, don't you want restitution? Don't you want uh, them to pay for, for what they have done? Does it indeed kind of give you a peace if they're punished for what they have done wrong? There's a satisfaction in it. But it sounds bad when I say it, doesn't it? Doesn't those desires that well up within us demonstrate just how sinful we are if we pause for a moment that we could somehow find satisfaction in someone else's judgment somehow find um, peace in the fact that they get punished doesn't that show a huge selfishness uh, self-focus it shows us a, a way that goes opposite of what the Lord demonstrates because again, that's at the heart of what Paul is saying. When our, when our Lord through Paul tells us to love our enemy and pray for those who persecute us, Paul is calling us to follow our Lord's direction and our Lord's example. We think about Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount to turn the other cheek. And then we come to today's Gospel lesson and Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. We're to follow his example. When we think about picking up our cross, we think about the suffering that Jesus endured. How he suffered on account of who he was and what he came to do. When we think about our cross, the cross that we bear, as the suffering that comes from living as a child of God in a sinful world. But part of that living as a child of God in a sinful world is setting aside our anger. This is also the cross we are to carry. Carry Christ's cross is to put aside our hatred, to put aside our desire to get revenge, our desire to hold on to a grudge, a desire to look at those whom God has made as our enemies. That's what call, kicking up and following the cross does include. Because we see this is what Jesus clearly did, right? As he goes to the cross, he suffers willingly. And keep in mind, what we have here is what we call active obedience. In order for Jesus to take your place on the cross, to take the punishment that you deserve, he had to keep the law perfectly. He had to fulfill everything that God had commanded. And one of the things that God had commanded is to love your enemy. And as Jesus goes to the cross, does he not do that? He doesn't defend himself. He doesn't strike back. He literally does turn the other cheek. He, he prays for those who persecute him. He prays for those who are watching. He goes to the cross willingly and lovingly. He fulfills every aspect of God's command. He allows himself to be arrested, to be mocked, to be ridiculed, to be flogged. To be crucified, and he dies. But then he rises. And because he did everything that you and I could never do, including loving his enemy properly, now he has earned forgiveness for you and for me. And in his resurrection, we find this promise of eternal life because he has fulfilled the entire law for us. He actively kept the law in our place. And he has showed us love, a gracious love. And having been loved by grace, are we not to be gracious in our love? Are we to withhold it from anyone? 
To deny anyone our love is to say they're not worthy of our love. But who are we to say that we're, someone else is not worthy of our love? Are you worthy of the love that the Lord has shown you? None of us are. And yet the Lord still has loved you. How could you then say someone isn't worthy of your love? Regardless of what they have done. Regardless of what they have said. Regardless of the way that they have acted. This is what our Lord is getting at when we are to, to love our enemy, to love those in opposition. That, that we are called to, to, to truly love. And, and doing this involves faith. We, we can only do it in faith. When Paul tells us to leave the vengeance to the Lord, this is a clear command, but it involves faith, trusting that the Lord will bring about the proper justice. Because that's what Paul says, do not seek revenge. For justice belongs to the Lord. He quotes scripture there. It's the Lord's job, not ours. And give thanks that it's not ours because we don't do vengeance righteously. And in faith, we trust that our Lord does. As with everything else, he acts in a righteous manner. And so we're following, indeed, what Paul calls upon us to do. But at this point in the text, it's interesting because we hear something that we might kind of like. Right? He says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And we, we understand that. But then listen to the next part. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not come overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There we go. Burning coals on my enemy. That sounds good, does it not? And yet has Paul really changed his attitude and the way we are to view others because we think of coals as judgment but it is interesting that on occasion within the scriptures coals are tied to forgiveness think about Isaiah and his vision of the temple when God calls him to be a prophet the angel flies over to the altar with tongs takes out a coal and touches it to Isaiah's lips that coal makes him clean and so Paul isn't telling us to bring more judgment. Paul is reminding us that the way that we are to treat our neighbors still has one goal in mind. The same goal that the Lord has for all people. The salvation of souls. And the whole point of, of responding to evil with love is to demonstrate, to be an example to the world around us what, what God does and what we are to do. And it can become heaping coals. Heaping coals is uncomfortable. But it's uncomfortable to be reminded that we are not living the way that we should. And haven't you ever had that time where you're not behaving exactly right and someone responds in a loving way and it, and it hits you in the heart and you realize, this is the way I'm supposed to be. That, that's what this proverb, because actually Paul is quoting from Proverbs, that's what this, this proverb tends, that, that we are always to be in loving ways. And, and when we show the love of Christ, it touches people's hearts. And it changes them. And sometimes it makes it uncomfortable for a moment, but it brings about repentance. When you live out your life empowered by God's forgiveness, with love and forgiveness, you are witnessing Christ. Our Lord calls upon us to do that. But not only with our words, but today we're reminded with our deeds. You witness the love of Christ in your actions. And there's no greater witness to the love of Christ than to be forgiving, to be kind, 
especially to those who may not be forgiving and kind to you. It's a demonstration of what real love is and what the love that the Lord has given us. And none of this is possible on our own. It's only possible because we've been forgiven by our Lord. That's really what we are to realize as we come to the end, that bearing the cross is difficult. Living out our life as a Christian, as a child of God, is difficult. We cannot do it on our own. But the joy and the good news we have is Christ has done it for you on your behalf. And in so doing, he's earned forgiveness to you for you. And he gives that forgiveness. He gives you that love so that you can go forward. Strengthened in his love, secure in your place before God, you can be bold with his love, free with his love, free with his forgiveness. And share it with all people. Your family, your friends, your neighbors, your enemies, those that you barely know, whatever the situation. You have been given so much love that you cannot keep it to yourself. But you give it to all. Because you have been loved. And will be loved eternally. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, to life everlasting. Amen.